Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, we just thank you once again. We exalt and glorify your name. We magnify you because you are faithful. Thank you for love. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for faithfulness. And we come, God, to receive instruction from you. We demand, God, that you help us by your spirit to comprehend your intent and your purposes and bring us to the place of clarity and light. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we want to continue with the difference between the believer and the unbeliever on this part number five, if you've been following this series. Part number five. And our main text is actually Ephesians 4, 17 to 21. Also, I'm dealing with the difference between a believer and the unbeliever. What makes you a believer? And why is the man in the street an unbeliever? Even if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, does that really make you a believer? As it were. Or what is your response to the world, even as a believer? And if you are a believer, what are the things that comes to you because of your faith? These are the things we are looking at. Praise the living God. Alright, but we've gone a little bit far in examining the issue of being alienated, the issue of being blinded, the issue of having ignorance in our heart, and we've been able to look at the consequences of all of that. Uh, I think we're going to continue uh, this evening with the consequences. And then we're reading from Ephesians 2 now. Ephesians 2 verse 14, I mean verse uh, 12 to 13 is what we're dealing with precisely this evening. In relation to uh, the consequences of being alienated or being uh, blinded in the spirit of our mind, walking in ignorance of the things of God, not being in fellowship and union with the Christ the very Spirit of God. Those are the things we're dealing with. So Ephesians 2, uh, 12 to 13. And it said that at that time that you were without Christ, we're talking about unbelievers now, being alien from the commonwealth of Israel and stranger from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 13 said, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes we are far up, and I'm in nine by the blood of Christ. You know, we've come to a new sin. So, verse 12, dealing with the spirit of the unbeliever. And verse 13, dealing with the spirit of the believer. These are the things we are dealing with. And so, now, this is what I want to deal with the issue of verse 12. The issue of the covenant of promise. That's where we're taking it from. Because we dealt with the issue of the strangers and the blindness of the mind. So, verse 12, you have that which says, um, um, what do we have there? At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, with death with that, and strangers from the covenant of promise. Amen? Good. That's where we're going to start from this evening, the covenant of promise. And you're saying as a non-believer, you are not in the covenant of promise. So what is that supposed to mean? Strangers from the covenant of promise. In other words, you have no part in the promise of the covenant that God made with Abraham. That's what it means because we know we said that in Galatians chapter 3 
that those who have come to believe in Christ, they are the seed of Abraham. So every covenant that God made with Abraham, and we being the children of Abraham through Christ, we are qualified for those covenants, to experience them, to benefit from the covenant that God made to Abraham. But this is not available to the man that is a war, to the unbeliever. Because they are not in this covenant. In other words, the unbelievers are not in the covenant of Abraham. You know, in church we sing, Abraham blesses his mind. So by implication, the man in the street cannot sing that song. Even if he chooses to sing that song, because he doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he cannot inherit or receive the covenant and the blessings that are in that covenant that God made to Abraham. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I'm saying this whether it's a natural or spiritual seed of Abraham, the unbelieving world do not have any parts in this covenant that God made with Abraham. Especially the one that he made in Horeb, or the children of Israel. And that is very, very important because something, something unique about that is when God was making his covenant with the children of Israel, Mount Horeb, the Bible says he came down. That is very, very important. Then there's no nation that had a privilege of God coming down to them to be able to discuss with them, to give them covenant or rules that will guide them. So that's a privilege for you as a child of God, that God comes down to you when he begins to reveal his mind to you. There's a kind of fellowship that he has with you, which he doesn't have with the people in the world. Uh, you get what I'm saying now? Right. You see, when God was to give the covenant in Mount the Bible said God came down. He wanted to talk to his people. He had to come down to be able to share fellowship, to be able to discuss with them, to give them the law. So you as a, as a believer, that's one of the privileges that you are supposed to be having, that God comes down to talk to you. You have a place where he speaks to you regularly. He shares mind with you. He shares his thought with you. You know, there's a relationship that you have that the man in the street doesn't have. So if you're born again and you're in the church, this is one of the privileges that we are supposed to be experiencing. How that God could come to visit with you and discuss with you, to share his mind with you. If you are going wrong, he talks to you. If you are going right, he also encourages you. There are ways he keeps talking to you. If you are in situations that seems a little bit difficult, he comes to give you light. It's a privilege that the man in the street doesn't have, but you have. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Amen? Right, so, I want you to get that. For me, that is very, very important. It's a primary, primary, um, important thing or fact that you must receive, which you should strive for. But what I mean is, you should be able to anticipate the visitation of God anytime. By reason of your faith and having the Spirit of Christ. You should anticipate that. Praise the living God. Very, very important. Um, I've had occasion, um, situations where God have to talk to me when I have uh, issues. Um, I remember some few years ago when I was down completely down. I didn't know what was going on. It was like I was I was giving up the ghost. And so I was lying down and then I saw myself floating up. So I was seeing a double of me. Just ascending, lying straight. My head, everything just the way it is. 
my head to this way, but my body was going up. I was seeing, I was lying on the bed, and I was seeing myself going up, ascending up, and uh, very close to the ceiling in my bedroom. And then I was able to speak. I said, "Oh God, is this the way I'm going to die?" And then the next thing, I had a voice asking me to read the book of Luke, where Jesus spoke to the man that was sick, "Take up your bed and walk." I just got that scripture at Borukide. I just got that scripture, and then. As soon as I read that verse of scripture, energy came into my body. I jumped from the bed. I came on the floor. You know, that is God visitation. Amen? Uh, the second sense that I have, uh, some of you were aware, the, around the January or so when I was, was down and all of that. And all treatment, nothing was similarly working until the Lord asked me one night, I was lying down and it was at about uh, 4 a.m., so thereabout. Just say Psalm 21, Psalm 21. The voice just came three times, and I picked the Bible and read that, and the Lord was talking about how I was being oppressed, but now I'm going to be saved, and all of those things. And as soon as I read that, whatever treatment I was receiving began to walk in my body. That is one of the privileges you must have. Praise the living God. Yeah, at any point in time, that visitation comes in. That is what really, really, you know. It's part of the covenant of Abraham, how God speaks to Abraham. Regularly, God was talking to Abraham. Remember that? Regularly, we'll talk to him. Give him promises, we'll encourage him, whatever the case may be. So that is one thing very unique that you are supposed to have as a child of God, which is not available to the man in the street. Now, I'm trying to make you understand this, so that when you come to God, as you fellowship, you'll be able to have some expectation. It's not just... A social club. You are not just you are not born again to born into a club. You are born into a relationship. You are born into a family. Amen. Praise the living God. You know, I was so so excited this morning when I mean my wife sent me a note what the Lord told her. You know, a passage that he gave to her this morning. You know, and I was so impressed about that. And I know that her case is already solved because the Lord shared that. I mean, you should come to that place, you know. Where you regularly have these experiences that can translate you. They, they build up your faith. Knowing that God is talking to you. They build up your faith. And I give you that conviction that you are true, that you are a child of God. Because every father will communicate with his son. Is that okay? That's why I keep saying that uh, I, I'm not against the prophet. But where the prophet replaces God talking to you, something is wrong. Because... Primarily, you are a child of God, born of His Spirit. Amen? Right. So, God is not intended to use a middleman to always talk with you. As the case may be, it must confirm what is in your spirit. So, the first thing is when He speaks to you and the man is prophesying and then confirming, then you'll be able to know that this is God talking. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. Okay, so let's go down to, we're talking about the covenant of promises. Let's look at something in Romans chapter 9 verse 4. Some of the promises that God made to the children of Israel. So that you'll be able to have a deeper understanding of what I'm talking about here. And I'll say, who are Israelites? To whom pertinent the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God. And the promises. I just want to look at that. So powerful. Right? This is a privilege that they had. Okay? Verse 5 says, Who are the fathers? I mean, whose are the fathers on whom I ask? Concerning the flesh Christ came, who, 
is overall and God blessed forever. Amen. So, the first question there, who are Israelites? I know we have the true Israel of God today, right? But when you look at this natural Israel, you'll be able to see the privileges that you have as a child of God. Are you getting that? See, so, it's a who are Israelites? Now we know Israelites are the descendants of Jacob. Is that okay? Remember that. They are the descendants of Jacob. I have always explained to you here, Abraham was not a Jew. Is that okay? Abraham was not a Jew. Abraham was a Hebrew. Right? The Jews are descendants of, uh, of Jacob, actually from the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah is what we call the Jews. So, Abraham was not a Jew, Abraham was a Hebrew person. And so, we coming into the covenant of Abraham, we did not come into the covenant of Judaism. We came into the covenant of a Hebrew man. And Hebrew man actually speaks of pilgrimage. Right? Right. It's a pilgrim on the face of the earth. And so, it's, we, 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 don't, we don't claim to be part. You see, when we see people say, you can't pray without the prayer shawl. I mean, it's amazing. We are not Jewish people. We, we didn't plug into the covenant of Judaism. We plug into the covenant of Abraham. We say Hebrew. Are you getting that? So, that's the problem. They'll tell you how to put on the prayer shawl. Maybe that won't make God answer. You cover your head. And then, we are not Jewish people. Praise God. You don't need all of that. What you need for God to hear your prayer is your spirit. You don't need any cloth for God to hear your prayer. You don't need a prayer shawl for God to answer your prayers. It's your spirit. Praise the Lord. Alright, so that is the point. Um, you know, in Genesis 32 verse 28 was when his name changed from a prince. You know, I mean from... Uh, Jacob, the supplanter to a prince of God. Amen? And so those who came become descendants of Abraham. I mean of Jacob, they were now priests of God. Praise the Lord. Alright. So now, he separated him, all the children of Israel, unto his glory. That's why I said, pertinent to glory. You know, their very name alone, you know, will tell you who they were. It brings dignity, it brings honor, it brings glory to them. And I'll make you see how important that is. I mean, after God has called Abraham, I mean a Jacob, prince, and then the children that came out of him, they were walking in, in, a, in a glorified realm. My implication, you know, naturally when you mention Israel, it's, it's a place where everybody thinks that is where God is, right? Praise the living God. So you find that that name rings a bell in the heart of everybody. They see how dignified they are. They see that all Israel are God's people. What he just mentioned, Israel, is that they are God's people. You understand what I mean? Right. But it's not Israel, as a matter of fact, over there, it's not everybody there who is a Christian. So, but I want you to the natural Israel, as it were, is, is a, is a glorified name. That's what I want you to see. So now that, that tells you something, that you becoming a spiritual Israel, as a child of God, there's a name that you carry, that is a glorified name. Praise the living God. Amen? So, they were kind of from a royal family, you know, they were kind of separated unto God, they were unique among 
of the nations. That's the important thing I want you to catch now. So now, that is different from the man that is in the street. Now, if you're dealing with Israel, it's not as compared with other nations around Israel. Israel is unique based on the covenant, I mean, as well, with God, which you were written in, by the fact that God separated them through Jacob, gave them a name that is among other names, if you will. A unique name, a privileged name. And so they were royal people, they were prince, prince before God, before the Most High God. So, what happened? First Peter chapter 2, verse number 5, and verse number 9. And this is how it relates to you. Verse number 5, First Peter 2, 5. Ye also are what? Lively stone. Now, it's not speaking to the spiritual Israel. Is that okay? Right. You are what? Lively stone. A build of a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer our spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by who? By Jesus Christ. And I want you to guide them because that's, that's, that's so important. You know, one of the privileges that Israel has is that they have the Levitical priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, right? They were offering sacrifices before God. They were the only people chosen by God to offer acceptable sacrifices unto Him. Praise the Lord. They were, they were that unique family, that unique tribe on the face of the earth as compared to other nations or other people. And so here the Bible is telling you as a believer today that you are also now what? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You become, look at verse 9. Verse 9. It's about you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth what? The praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now this is, this is not available to the man in the street. The man in the street is not within the family that is referred to as a holy nation. Praise the Lord. So believers are within the, the family, the structure that is called a holy nation. Not just that, they are of a royal priesthood. That is to say, their sacrifices are acceptable to God because they are holy. They are holy people. You know, when you refer to Israel, they say the holy land. I mean, if you remember that. Right, they're referring to Israel, going to the holy land of pilgrimage. That's the kind of exhortation that Israel got, as it were, because of who they were. The priest. I mean, not just being priest before God, they also were priests or princes before God through Jacob when God changed his name to be a prince with God. So now, the Bible is telling you that this is a privilege that you come to have because of the bed, the new season that you have entered into in Christ. So you are a royal priesthood. So your attitude and character should be royalty. And, and when he said that you may show for the praises, you can imagine how much regard, glory Israel have in the natural among our nations. That's just that the church was supposed to be a unique people on the face of the earth, revealing and manifesting the praise of God in whatever thing they do. Praise the living God. It's a unique privilege that the believer has that the man in the street doesn't have. What is that? We are a royal people. We are a holy nation. And the Bible says that we may show forth his praises. 
Just like Israel was showing for the praise of God on the earth, even so, Christians are called today to show for the praise of God where? On the earth. That you were not able to do, or you couldn't do, before you became born again. Praise the living God. And so, see, I say you are called out of darkness. So you see where you call out of darkness, well, into his marvelous light. And in so doing, that you may show for his praises on the face of the earth. And this is very important for us to understand as well. That our life was meant to reveal the glory of God, the praises of God on the face of the earth. And that is very important. Now, the same thing we've, I mean, the second day we read in that, uh, uh, Romans chapter 9 or so. It talks about the adoption. To who partner the glory than the adoption. What is that supposed to mean? The Israelites were taken into the family of God and were called his sons. In fact, Israel was called the firstborn son. So let's look at that in Exodus chapter 4 verse 22. For instance, Exodus 4 22. And this is what it says. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even what? My firstborn son. Amen? Now, Deuteronomy 14 verse 1. Deuteronomy 14 verse 1 says, Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourself, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. Verse 2. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. And I want you to get that privilege. I want you to see that. You are chosen above all nations on the earth. There, there are. Basically, I would call and say there are two nations. The nations of God and the nations of the world. It's just like we have two nations in the womb of Zerubbabel now. Saul and Jacob, right? Which is it? Two nations are in the womb. The two nations have always been there you know, from the very beginning. You know, going back to the book of Genesis of Cain and Abel. You will have the two nations have always been there, right? Okay, so Esau and Jacob, the two nations, so that have always existed. So now you're called into the nation of God and the holy nation in a specific one this time around that will show for the praises of God upon the face of the earth. The Bible says you're chosen above all other nations. So it's a choice. And you must understand that you're coming to the Lord, like I always say, it's not because you wanted to, but the choice of God to bring you to himself. So now this is a privilege you have against the other people that are in the world. And then again to tell you something, that the fact that they have not been chosen doesn't mean they will not be chosen. But you're chosen first. Okay, let me still read on. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. Then I'll explain this to you, how powerful this is. That is the adoption. The adoption is to make him his children. You know, it's not as if... Okay. Are you there? Hosea 1.11 When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of here, Egypt. Praise the living God. So, as a matter of fact, the adoption took place among Sinai. Amen? When he gave the laws to the children of Israel, that's where the adoption took place. I called him my son. Though he referred to that in the book of Exodus chapter 4, Telling to Pharaoh, in other words, this is what I intend to do. But actually, in Exodus, I mean in um, Mansina, that's where the adoption took place. Because adoption has to do with a ceremony that will make other people to know that God or your Father has positioned you to do specific things by way of ranking, if I may use the word. 
Now I explained to you how that God will save about Jesus Christ, this my beloved son, the woman well please. He said that in River Jordan, he said I'm on, on the mountain, Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, I've explained that to you. And that was an adoption. An adoption in the Hebrew context, actually that you have your first son grown up to a certain stage, you bring him to the public and display him before the elders of the city, and then declare that from this day this boy is able to manage my estate. He has right to my signature to sign a check on my behalf. That is an adoption. So the person that can manage your estate is what you call an adoption. Now Israel was an adopted child of God, meaning they were proclaimed to be a unique set of people that have the laws, the privileges, and the rights that no other nation had. By implication, God was speaking through Israel, and Israel was kind of now a people that can show forth his praise and glory on the face of the earth. And that's what the Christian community is supposed to be today. We've been adopted as God's children. And the matter of fact, go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at this. Uh, Hebrews 12, 22. Let me see if that's what I'm looking for. But he had come unto my Zion. Now, when he said, you are come unto my Zion, that means there was another mountain before this one. The mountain was Mount Sinai. You understand that? So Hebrews chapter 12 is just a comparison of the two mountains. Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Now you have come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, toward an innumerable company of what? Of angels. Let's move on. And then he says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And that's what I want you to see. Exodus chapter 4, we have God referring to Israel as what? His firstborn. So it's like a firstborn company. Now you've come unto my Zion and you come into the fellowship of the firstborn. So there's a firstborn for what you call the Old Testament. There's a firstborn for what you call what? The New Testament. And the firstborn in the New Testament is the church of the living God. Is it making sense to you? Right. So now, the firstborn, as Old Testament, where they show for the praise and the glory of God, the firstborn now, in the New Testament, in Christ, is to do what? They show for the praises and glory of who? Of God on the face of the earth. So your life is meant to show for the praise and, and glory of God. By reason of your adoption, you've been called as the son of God. You are in the company of the firstborn son. Praise the living God. You know, we have some ceremonies and some services talk about redeeming the firstborn. Have you heard that before? Right. The truth is, you're just talking biologically. We are all firstborn. We belong to the firstborn company. Do you understand that? The whole nature was the firstborn. Praise God. And the whole church is what? The firstborn. Today. And we belong there. Every one of us is in the company of the firstborn son. The idea is to prove that we have been adopted and lifted and, and raised by God and I mean chosen by God presently to show for his praise and glory upon the face of the earth. Can I tell you something? The church will keep on glorifying God on the face of this earth. Amen? And that is why the Bible refers to the, to the church as the salt and the light. And that is what it is. Nothing less than that. It's a light, it's a thought. They might be very small at the moment, but there is that 
efficacy there's that strength there's that power that is resident within the church to preserve whatever is on the face of the earth and this is very important for you to understand you see how that Israel though small God never chose Israel because Israel was the largest among all nations in fact Deuteronomy 4 he told them that I didn't choose you because you are the I mean largest in number you are the smallest but I chose you that through you will show forth my praise upon the face of the earth so you see the church may not be as large as it's supposed to be but it is through the church that God intends to speak it is through the church that God intends to glorify himself and that is you praise the living God come on are you following what I'm saying here that is you you belong to the company of people that God have chosen to manifest His glory, to show for His praise upon the face of the earth. Man, your life will have to be a praise unto God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That is what the unbeliever don't have. The man in the street does not have this privilege. Praise the living God. It doesn't. No matter what he does, he can, his life can't glorify God. His life can't exhort God. No, 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 no. Praise the Lord. So you need to know that. And it's very important. And again, that Romans chapter 9 verse number 4 talks about the glory. To whom pertain the glory. What's the glory? The manifestation of God among them. Primarily by the cloud and the pillar. Right? Okay, in the wilderness. That is Shekinah, all the divine presence of God that was appearing between the two cherubims. That we've been dealing with as well. Upon the message now these were peculiar to the Jews. No other nation ever had that favor. What I mean is, look at the Israelites coming from Egypt or in the wilderness. There was a glory cloud by day and in the night. You understand what I mean? Right. The glory was protecting them. The glory was shielding them from the sun. Glory to God. There is something unique you need to understand about that. The very defense of God is upon your life because you are chosen by him as a firstborn. The wall is like a wilderness, but as you walk in the wall, there is a glory that protects you. There's a glory that covers you. You come into the place of the master seat, which is the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91. That is where His glory is made manifest. The presence of God is made manifest. Praise God, somebody. And you have this privilege which the man in the street doesn't have. You need to begin to sense His presence. Often as you walk, there is something that is within you. There is something that you carry. There is something that as you move, is moving along with you. There's a protection that you have that the man in the street doesn't have. And that is why I always say it and I want to believe it. That what kills the man in the street is not supposed to kill you. Praise God. You see, if you study closely, you find that the glory that was following the children of Israel, the Bible says, those who were feeble and weak, they were killed by the Amalekites. That to say, the glory couldn't cover those people. They were lagging behind. You understand what I mean? That the glory was covering a set of people. All the people that the glory was covering, the Amalekites could not deal with them. So you have a protection from God because you've been chosen by God. You've been redeemed to himself. He's calling you his firstborn son and you have to agree with that. We are in Christ. If Christ is the firstborn, then we are in firstborn. Praise God. Are you with me? Are we still here? Are you getting anything from this? You need to understand this thing. I need to, you see, I need it, I need to get into your mind. How much of the privileges you have as a child of God? 
Now, if you understand these things, your prayers will change. Glory to God. If you understand these things, the way you pray will definitely change. You, you come to the place of knowing it, that this is who I am. I have a relationship with God. I'm in covenant with God. I enjoy the privileges of the covenant of Abraham. You should be able to pray those things into your life. The benefit of the covenant of Abraham, you pray them into your life. You receive them. They are already there, but awareness has to come to you to be able to receive them. Like we are talking about the issue of faith. He said, what you believe is what you become. Remember that passage? Right. Faith is what you believe, and that's what you become. Glory to God. Be to you according to what? To your faith. So, you come to the place of realizing what Abraham had in the covenant, and you begin to pray that, you begin to receive that. A consciousness. I was sharing with somebody today, and he told me something. He said, Pastor, listen. The man with knowledge is a dangerous man. <laughs> he made a statement because of what was going on. And he said, what makes people afraid doesn't make me afraid because I know more than that. I have a better understanding than those people. So what shake them doesn't shake me. And that's why I said a man with knowledge is a dangerous man. And that's true. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are you catching anything? So I want you to get this. You see, you can't be acting like somebody in the world anymore because you've come to God to receive these unique privileges and your walk should be smooth, if I may use the word, because of who you are. You are a firstborn son of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I mean, did you get that? That is why that which is called the devil, I want to be very honest with you, you can call him the devil, you can call him any name, but the truth is, he doesn't have any grip over you. If anything at all, God will allow him to do stuff so that he can destroy him. How do I know that? Why did you think God had in the heart of Pharaoh? Not to let the children of Israel go. Primarily to destroy all the gods that were in the land. It was not because God cannot pick him. He told Moses, I've had in the heart of Pharaoh that I will show my glory through him. So some of the things the devil does is to bring glory to God. Just for people to know that there's a supernatural God, there's a superior God, that whatever you call the devil. Moses never had it, I mean Pharaoh never had it in his heart all by himself. God did it. And the purpose to destroy all the ten gods that they were worshipping in Israel, where they had their faith in. The miracles that Moses was performing was to destroy all of those gods. To tell the Israelites also that they don't have to be afraid of the gods of the Egyptians because they have a supernatural God that is stronger than their gods. So all the templates you see were for each of the gods that are worshipping in Egypt. You understand that? And he had in his heart to follow them to go down to where? To the Red Sea. Now they crossed the Red Sea but Pharaoh and his men got drowned in the Red Sea. So the ultimate end is anytime God allows the devil to do anything to you, he set him up for destruction. Praise God somebody. <laughs> he just set him up for destruction. He might be rejoicing that he's doing some stuff to you, but he's just walking toward destruction. Anytime King of Babylon was happy, he had the children of Israel, took him to Babylon. But what happened? He ended up becoming like an animal. Anytime the devil comes against you, God is setting up the devil for destruction. He says, set up. 
<laughs> Praise God. So you ought not to be afraid. That's what I'm trying to point out. You don't have the, any reason to be afraid. No time to be afraid of whatever thing the devil is trying to do to you. No, no, no. You got the victory already even before he begins to do it. Hallelujah. Okay. Five more minutes. Let me take this for the issue of the covenant. I say to whom pertinent were the covenant. I just talked about the glory. Now here again I mentioned the covenant made with who? Abraham. But that which relates to the spiritual seed and the natural seed. Hallelujah. So all of that you could put together. I mentioned that before. So let me just move on. Then it talks about the giving of the law. We are still dealing with Romans chapter 9 verse number 4. Talk about the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law. So the giving of the law. What is the giving of the law to Israel? As compared to other nations. God never gave other nations laws like he gave to Israel. Right? Praise the living God. The giving of the law is actually the revelation of God by God himself. Containing a system, if you will, of like what I would say, moral and political precepts. How to run their system. So everything he gave to them on Mount Sinai was God's nature being revealed. The laws of God was God's character being revealed. Thou shalt not kill because God will not want you to kill. Right? One of the reasons why, but somebody will say, but God kills. Yes. You know what he said? I kill and I make a life. But you can make a life, so you are not supposed to kill. Because if you kill, he makes a life. Hallelujah. That's the difference between you and God. But he said, don't kill. You know? Don't steal. All of those things, they were the nature of God, be revealed to Israel. Now Israel has some political um, a precept or laws that's completely different from the rest of mankind, if you will. Like I always explain, using the issue of stealing, for example. If you steal today, or, or what do you call it? Is it a recreational center or is it a reformation center? What are they calling it now? Okay. <laughs> recreational, right? Or correctional center. Thank you. Okay. Instead of prison, it's not a correctional center. So it's a place you go to get correction. Very good. But even in the midst of that, let's imagine this. I steal from you. And then you go to the police station to report. Is that okay? Ah. Maybe you'll be fortunate not to be asked to buy a notebook to write. Otherwise, you probably have to pay to have either the pen or the notebook to write your statement. Thereafter, you want to get a lawyer now to handle the case for you. And then for me, who stole from you, I have the state council allocated to me by the government. I am the thief, but the government sees me to be innocent. They want to prove it first. And the only way to prove it now is to get a state council. Is that okay? Remember, I stole from you. All right. Now, you are going to get your own council to stand for you against me. So now, think about it this way. 
You pay your counsel, you pay for the paper in writing your statement, right? You pay the police in taking action over your matter. You pay, you pay, you pay, you pay. For me, who stole from you, I'm paying nothing. Now, the state counsel that is standing for me as a thief is being paid by the government. Now, the government is getting the money to pay the state counsel from your taxes. So, you see, I stole from you, but you are the one paying. Now, if the matter comes up and finally I'm sentenced to correctional center, whatever you want to call it now, the food I'm going to eat there is still going to be paid by you. Because it's from your taxes that they pay the, they feed the prisoners. Are you getting what I'm saying now? The warders who are taking care of the prisoners are paid by the government. Where are they getting the money from? From your taxes. So there's no justice, even if I'm taken to prison. You don't have justice in it. You see spending. I've stolen from you. I've damaged all your properties. You send me to prison. You are feeding me. You are feeding the warder. You are feeding the lawyer that judge your case, whatever the case may be. No justice. I don't know if you are getting that. But you see what happened? In Israel, God said, if somebody should steal from you, let him work out the debt. The value of what you stole from you will now become what happens. So that man can be sentenced to begin to walk in your garden or your farm as the case may be. Somebody owes you money, you are not going to go to court. You take the man as a slave boy to come and work for you. If the man can't pay, his child will pay, work as a slave. Remember the story of the, of the king? I mean, the prophet whose two sons were to be taken into slavery. Remember that? Good. That's the kind of justice that God has for them. So politically, they have a sound judicial system. Right? Good. Morally, they have it. The civil society, they have laws that bind and guide everybody. Praise the living God. And that's why they were the wisest of all people on the face of the earth. And that's the way it ought to be with us to their believers. God revealing his intention to us by the Spirit that our judgment is not based on what we think or what we feel or what we hear, but by the Spirit of the Father. In other words, Christians are supposed to be the wisest people on the face of the earth that can handle matters that the natural man cannot handle. Because the legal system of the Jews, based on the laws, were so straightforward, and we saw that, I mean, right justice was meted out. Praise the living God. Are we still there? So, this was very unique to Israel as a nation. They have the law, the revelation of God, which has to do with His will. His intention were revealing the laws. And that is why you read your Bible today. As a believer, you begin to see the will of God revealed to you. In other words, when you study the Bible, you see God's mind, you see God's character, you see God's nature. And that becomes your character and your nature. A reflection of what you read, you become. Praise the Lord. That privilege again I said, the children of Israel was having, but those people in the world, they never had anyone. In other words, how you come in contact with God and begin to experience His revelation, the men in the world can't experience that because they can't read the Bible with understanding. 
The truth of the revelation of the Bible is not made available to the man in the street, but it's made available to you by the Spirit. When you read, because you find that the, the scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the prophet of old, they were moved as the Spirit gave them that inspiration to write the book. So now when you are reading the Bible, you're reading with that same Spirit, and interpretation begins to come to you, to know the mind of God, the will of God, the intent of God, the purposes of God. And as you do that, oh help me Father, now you're becoming God as intended in the very beginning. You know what he said? Let's make man in our image after our likeness and let it have God dominion. So the more you begin to get the will and the mind of God, the more you become God-like. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the living God. In all structure of the society or human endeavor, there is a place where God intends you to manifest his glory so much so that... Oh, you can see that with the life of Joseph. The Bible says God was with Joseph. And whatever thing he did, he did what? He prospered. Because he had a covenant with God through his father. He was living such a unique life that other people could not live. And guess what? Like I used to say, the kind of wisdom that Solomon had, even Pharaoh confessed and nobody is as wise as you are to handle this matter. And like I always say, can you picture a situation where this man could store greens for seven years. <laughs> Storing grain for seven years actually means that if I may borrow from what is going on today, he had ability to produce insecticide that would make the weevils not to eat up the grains. Far back then, he could discover what can preserve grains. He didn't smoke them. We are not told he put them under fire or whatever or whatever. No, 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 no. We are told he store the grains. How do you store grains today? That means even far back then, what are we talking about? Joseph knows what to do to preserve grains. And that is because it was a covenant child. That's why in the book of Psalms he said he was teaching tutors or the senators of Egypt wisdom. And that is why I keep saying as a child of God, you are supposed to be brilliant in all realms, in all fields. You are supposed to be brilliant. Praise God, somebody. You have another spirit. You have the spirit of the Father. As the laws, the mind of God have been revealed to you, you are becoming exactly what He said before. Let's make mind our image, after our likeness, let it have dominion. God is not a dolent, God is brilliant. So far, if you become in His image and likeness, you ought to be brilliant. Hallelujah. You should show men the way. You should reveal things that they don't know. Whether naturally or spiritually. Because preserving grain in, 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 in Egypt was not spiritual. It was natural. But they had spiritual wisdom to be able to do that. Is anybody catching what I'm saying? Right. Politically, you should be able to have some wisdom from God. To navigate through political terrain and show senators wisdom as a child of God. Somebody say, believe in politics, I believe in appointments. Even if I have to believe in politics, not this kind of politics I will play here, I know. Hallelujah. Because God can cause you to go to the house of parliament and do stuff for him to change the system. If you don't believe what I'm saying, how did slavery come to an end? It was because William Weberford was in the parliament. He was a child of God. There were 18 that formed the group in the parliament. 
and were dishing out bills. One of them was to stop slavery. You got become a Christian. Are you following what I'm saying? So don't tell me that the child of God cannot be in the parliament. You can be there, but it has to do with the kind of motive with which you are going there. Praise God. You know, he wanted to be a priest. Right? And your Newton told him no. He was his mentor. He looked at him and said, No, you can't be a priest. God is calling you to go to the parliament. That's a stop being a pastor. He was supposed to be a priest, preaching in church. But I'm not sure if he was supposed to be in charge, he would have been able to do what he did. Because all over the world today, slavery ended because of his influence. And no pastor, I'm sure, had been able to do that. <laughs> Glory to God. So he said that he was a pastor for the whole world for being in parliament. You see what I mean? Because through his influence, slavery came to an end. And that was because he was a child of God. So you can be a good politician. You know, you know, I mean, don't miss it. I'm saying you can be. Uh, Daniel was a political advisor. Hallelujah. In Babylon, four kings, he was a political advisor. And he's still there. It's just that we don't have the kind of people that we are supposed to have to be in parliament to do what they're supposed to do. That's our problem. Why are you the light of the world? To show forth the praise and the glory of God wherever you find yourself. Praise God. Am I making sense to you? I'm saying we have so much privileges to those believers that a man in the world doesn't have. One of that is his mind to us when he gave us his laws. The giving of the laws has to do with the mind of God, the intents of God, the purposes of God. We should be able to manifest this thing as believers. This is one thing that the people of the world doesn't have. So, when you are discussing with an unbeliever, you should be able to exhibit a higher wisdom and knowledge as compared to the man that is the street. Praise God, somebody. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.